Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing really good. Do you still get nervous butterflies when we do this every single time? Yeah, I do, actually. It's like I'm so doing it for the first time every <laughs> single week. <laughs> I know every time I'm like waiting for you to say my name and my hands are just sweating over here. Like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to say every time. I don't know that I'm going to say good. How are you? Like, I just have no option in the world. I don't know. I feel like maybe maybe at 200 episodes we get used to it. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, we'll see when we get there. We still have a while before that. So we have a while to get it together. (laughs) We won't. But I enjoy your enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we're in March. I'm really happy about that. It's like springtime on the way, which is always nice. I love this time of year in Florida. And we have like so many birthdays in my family are coming up. And it's just a very exciting time of year. So full speed ahead into spring. Really looking forward to our live show that's at the end of this month. We've been talking about that for a long time. And yeah, things are just going great. Spring is in the air. And I just feel really good about that. So that's how I'm doing today. (laughs) I loved it. That was great. I'll just sign off on that. That sounds good. So before we get into this week's episode, um, we wanted to just give you guys a quick reminder that we are not going to have an episode next week. We have a scheduled week off on the 17th, so there will be no new episode, but we will be back the following week with a new episode as usual and things will just continue on from there. Here we go. Let's do this. So when you think of yoga, you might think of it as this practice of peacefully balancing and breathing your way to a better physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. And those who practice yoga are generally thought of as kind, patient, and really in control of their own emotions. So it makes it a little more shocking when someone who lives by these principles ends up on the news for something as horrific and violent as the case we're going to discuss today. In July of 2019, we discussed the story of Allison and Ann Daddow, who were known as the Yoga Twins, with explosive personalities and a long history of violent physical fights, until one day Allison drove off a Hawaiian cliff with her sister inside the car, killing her. So this week's episode is not about twin sisters, but it is about two young women who work together at a popular yoga and athletic wear store called Lululemon in Bethesda, Maryland. And before we get into this week's episode, we're going to tell you a little about Bethesda, Maryland in this week's segment of We Googled This City. So as of the 2000 census, there were over 55,000 residents in Bethesda, Maryland. Bethesda is actually located 25 minutes from DC and about 20 minutes from Potomac. And this is very important to say here, but The Real Housewives of Potomac is one of the best of all the Housewife franchises. And if you aren't watching Potomac, you have to get on it because it's what Andy Cohen wanted DC to be. And it is a mess and lots of fighting, some physical fighting. One girl's mom, who is an adult woman, hit her daughter on the head with a purse, Mandy, in front of people. It was crazy. And it's some of my favorite TV in the entire world. Bethesda is home to several familiar names in the world of entertainment and maybe even in your hearts. People like Connie Chung and her husband, Maury, you are the father Povich. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, aka Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld, aka Selena Meyer from one of my favorite TV shows, Veep, also call Bethesda home. Spike Jones, who literally can make and do anything in the entire world of entertainment, is also from Bethesda. Mandy, do you remember Patricia Richardson? I sure don't. 
No, nobody would. I mean, in the nicest <laughs> way. She's lovely, but she was Jill from Home Improvement. When I saw her name, I was like, oh, like I should know it. Yeah, she's great, right? I love her. Yeah. But I wouldn't know her by her name, which sounds so terrible. But Jill, Jill married to Tim the Toolman Taylor. Totally. That was... That, did you guys like that show when you were little? That was like a big one. I did. House. Yeah. Yeah, I did for sure. I think because Jonathan Taylor Thomas was like a big deal for like little girls <gasps> yeah. back then. So that's really what I remember from watching that show. For sure. And I'm now realizing I don't think I ever knew what Wilson the neighbor looked like. So as soon as we're done here, I'm going to be <laughs> Googling who the actor was because that like kept me up at night as a child. Like what does Wilson this neighbor look like? But apparently Jonathan Taylor Thomas was what other girls were worried about. Who knew? <laughs> so <laughs> lastly, the Writers' Center in Bethesda publishes something called Poet Lore, which is this ongoing poetry journal. It's actually been the longest running poetry journal in the country. And in honor of this historical poetry journal, Mandy, if you don't mind, I thought I'd contribute a poem. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Google the city is done. I hope you've had some fun. And if you didn't, it'll be over in a minute and your review can be half as long. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have. Let's get on with the show. All right. So the company Lululemon was started in Vancouver, Canada by a man named Chip Wilson. It is a yoga and exercise clothing company that became very successful by marketing a lifestyle rather than a product. So this company is very passionate about yoga as a lifestyle, as I said, and even offers complimentary yoga classes once a week at its stores and showrooms. They continue to grow their business by promoting their Lululemon Athletica and Eviva Athletica branded products as a necessity to enjoying a yogi lifestyle. This has really been kind of a genius plan and has worked really well for them considering that a basic pair of yoga pants at Lululemon are $98. And I was looking on their website just to see everything else they had. And I saw another pair of like fancy, I mean, they're just leggings. They don't look that fancy to me, but they were like $148, which... I don't know, Melissa. I'm very serious about my yoga pants and I love them, but $148 for a pair of yoga pants just seems a little crazy to me. Yeah. Here's the thing. I have what some uh, know in the medical profession as pancake butt. So I feel like if the pants might help make it look like I have a butt, I could be on board <laughs> spending more than the normal $8 I spend on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not that amount, but I could do, I could, I could bump it to 20. Yeah. So I just mentioned all this to say that employees of this company are often immersed in this whole lifestyle themselves. One of the women that worked at the Bethesda store in 2011 was named Jaina Murray. She was 30 years old and had already accomplished so much with even bigger dreams of hers on the horizon. Jaina was born on November 22, 1980 in Wichita, Kansas, but she grew up in Richmond, Texas after her parents, David and Phyllis, moved there when she was young. Jaina was raised in a loving family and grew up to be very kind and loving herself, and people who knew her described her as being a very genuine person. Her friends said that she was very supportive and caring and that she never met a person that she didn't like. She was truly a joyful person with a big heart that would do absolutely anything for anyone. One of her friends named Sheila described her as being the sweetest person that everyone wanted to be around and said that she always found the good in everyone she met and was always willing to help others, whether it be something big or small. Jaina lived her life to the absolute fullest and she loved to travel. She loved dancing and she was really big into everything athletic, but she was also very focused on seeking a higher education. 
She was fluent in Spanish and once studied abroad in Madrid, Spain for two years while she was enrolled in St. Louis University's study abroad program. And she had completed a Bachelor of Science degree from George Washington University in Washington, D.C. At the time of our story, she was working towards finishing two more degrees at Johns Hopkins University in Washington, D.C., and those were a master's in business administration and a master's of communication. In Jana's spare time, she enjoyed doing a lot of volunteer work. Her life was really nothing short of perfect, and in 2011, she was looking forward to settling down with her longtime boyfriend named Fraser, who lived in Seattle. He had already shopped for rings and even spoken with Jana's parents about proposing to her soon. Jana's plan was to move back to Seattle once she graduated, but while she was attending Johns Hopkins University, she was working as a sales team leader at the Lululemon store in Bethesda. One of Jana's co-workers was named Brittany Norwood. Brittany was also big into all things athletic, and it was really her dream to one day open her own gym. She grew up in Federal Way, Washington, but had moved to the Bethesda area to be closer to some family that lived nearby. She was born on May 19, 1982, making her 28 years old at the time of the story. Brittany was known for her bubbly personality and for always having a big smile on her face. Friends and classmates described her as funny and really fun to be around, and she was also cheerful and really charming. She studied sociology at Stony Brook University in New York from 2000 to 2004, but she didn't actually graduate from the school. While she was at the university, she played defense for the soccer team, and her teammates thought of her as really an amazing soccer player. In 2001, she was an All-American East second team selection, and in 2002, she was named the National Soccer Coaches Association of America Northeast Regional Team. I got through that in one sentence, and I just need everyone out there to be proud of me for that. <laughs> Andy knows how, many, how long it normally takes me. So although Brittany was mostly known as being a really friendly person, she did have somewhat of a wild and dangerous side. According to several members of the soccer team, Brittany really liked to steal things and had stolen money and a Versace shirt from one of her teammates. Others also reported having items they believe had been stolen by Brittany. Brittany had recently transferred to the Bethesda Lululemon and had just stopped working her front desk job at the Willard Intercontinental Hotel. She had plans to interview at a local gym for a personal training position very soon. On March 11, 2011, these two women were working their closing shift together at the Lululemon store. Things were pretty much business as usual that day, but the next morning, the store manager, Rachel, would arrive to a terrifying scene at the store. Shortly before 8 a.m., Rachel arrived at the store and found the door unlocked. Her first thought was that somebody had gotten to work before her and had simply forgotten to lock the door behind them. As she stepped into the store, though, she immediately noticed that something was really terribly wrong. The lights were all on and the place looked like it had been ransacked and like something terrible had really happened. As she was looking around, she started calling out to see if anyone else was in the building. And that's when she heard what she described as someone moaning and that noise was coming from the back of the store. Rachel was, of course, terrified, so instead of investigating any further on her own, she went outside of the store and dialed 911. Rachel was visibly shaken and looked very concerned, which in turn caught the attention of a man named Ryan, who worked at the Apple store that was right next to the shop. He stopped and asked her if she was okay, and she told him that she wasn't sure what was going on inside, but explained that it sounded like someone was hurt and the store was an absolute wreck. Rachel asked him if he would go inside the store with her to check things out. Ryan and Rachel didn't know each other, but he agreed to go look around in the back of the store while Rachel looked around in the front. And we are going to get into exactly what Ryan and Rachel found in the store after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. 
As an introvert, if I could be anywhere in the world, I would literally always choose to be at home. My house is my refuge, and since I spend a lot of time here, I want it to be beautiful, even when my kids are actively attempting to destroy it. With all the money that goes into making a beautiful home, don't let that go to waste without making sure you have gorgeous lighting. If paint is the makeup, then your lighting is the jewelry. And Lamps Plus wants to be your heart of the ocean. Buying lighting can be overwhelming, but Lamps Plus makes it easy by being a one-stop shop that also has videos with design tips as well as inspirational photos with the latest trends. And you can even shop for every room in the home with their shop by room feature. Lamps Plus really has everything from chandeliers, outdoor lights, ceiling fans, and more. Plus, they have home furnishings and decor to complete the perfect look. Lamps Plus is super easy to use, and you can search for your needs with keywords like rectangle wooden chandelier, which is exactly what I did to find the perfect chandelier for my dining room. I picked the Cove Point light chandelier, and I can't wait to use it to replace what we now refer to as our Beam Me Up Scotty lights. There's no reason to get lighting anywhere else. Lamps Plus is the nation's largest lighting retailer with over 55,000 designs, all from top brands, including Minka. Minka is known for decorative pieces that blend function and style using innovative materials. Right now, Lamps Plus is offering up to 50% off hundreds of lights, furniture, and decor during the biggest sale of the season from now until March 30th. That's up to 50% off during the Lamps Plus half price stays in sale through March 30th at lampsplus.com moms. Start saving right now at lampsplus.com moms. The warmer months are finally here, and with that, bring the longer and sweatier days. The last thing I want to do is sit in traffic while sweating myself silly in an ill-fitting bra with itchy tags. That's why I love my Third Love bra. Third Love has straps that won't slip, plus tagless labels, which means no itching. Another perk during the summer or year-round is that they are lightweight and have super thin memory foam cups that actually mold to your shape. Make sure you check out the Third Love Fit Finder quiz on their website like we did. It takes less than a minute, and it's really actually fun. Whether you're wearing the correct size or have been guessing to avoid an actual bra fitting, you'll make your purchase knowing that your new bra is perfect for you and your body. And if you receive it and it doesn't fit how you had hoped, don't worry. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. Return it and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. My Third Love bra is the most comfortable bra I've ever owned, and I have recommended the bra to people in my family who also now love their bra just as much. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash murder now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash murder for 15% off today. And now back to the episode. Before the break, we were talking about Rachel, the Lululemon store manager, and how she had arrived to work on the morning of March 12, 2011, and things were amiss. She recruited Ryan, who was an Apple store employee that worked next door, to go with her into the store to look around while they waited for the police to arrive. The biggest concern was that Rachel was sure she had heard a person moaning and making these noises in the back of the store, and it sounded like a person that might need help, but she was too scared to go back there by herself, so Ryan agreed to go look for her. When he got into the back hallway of the store, he was shocked to find that there was a woman lying on the ground face down in a pool of blood. In fact, the entire hallway was covered in massive amounts of blood, and it was clear that the woman was dead and that there had been a brutal attack in the store. Ryan yelled out to Rachel that there was a dead body in the hallway and he started making his way back to the front of the store. And that's when he heard the moaning coming from another area and spotted what appeared to be a second victim who was bloodied and tied up but was still alive. Rachel frantically dialed 911 again to report what they discovered. 
What the police would end up finding was the scene of one of the most grisly attacks they had ever seen. Police determined that the woman that had been murdered in the hallway was Jana Murray. She was found face down with no pulse, and there was a rope around her neck as well as a metal toolbox near her shoulder. It appeared that her pants had also been cut open. The other woman who was still alive was Brittany Norwood, and she was found tied up and laying on the bathroom floor, bloody and with cuts on her face. Her pants were also cut open, and she appeared to be mostly unresponsive when an ambulance arrived at around 8 a.m. Brittany was taken to the trauma bay at Suburban Hospital, where her clothing was bagged for evidence and she was assessed for injuries. She had cuts on her chest, legs, arms, and forehead, but there were no injuries to her neck, back, or other extremities. A security guard officer at the hospital noticed that Brittany had a strange cut on her right hand that ran parallel to her thumb, and that particular injury stood out to him because he thought that it looked like what happens when you lose your grip on a blade and you accidentally cut yourself. So Brittany was also examined for signs of rape, but there was no evidence of that found. Later that morning at around 1025, which was around two hours after Brittany actually arrived at the hospital, she was interviewed by Detective Dina Mackey at the hospital. Detective Mackey was hoping to glean really any insight into who had attacked these two women. They spoke for around 45 minutes, and then the officer left the hospital to go back to the Lululemon store. She came back to the hospital at 235 and spoke to Brittany some more. Brittany's account of what happened that day was very detailed. She explained to the detective that she and Jaina had already closed up the store for the night when two masked men wearing all black came into the store. Brittany said that the attack began with the men raping each of them and that they threatened to slit her throat. Brittany said that one of the men had hit Jaina and the other dragged her by the hair. Investigators continued to collect and process the evidence found at the scene and interview possible witnesses and those who were close to the victims. On the evening of March 14th, two days later, Detectives Dimitri Reuven and James Drury interviewed Brittany at her home in hopes that she may have remembered something else or really anything that could help them solve this crime. Her story was mostly the same as the one that she originally told Detective Mackey at the hospital, but she did have a few other things to add. She said that one of the men hit her while the other attacked her. She said the men were wearing ski masks and gloves and that based on the sound of their voices, she believed it was a white male in his mid-20s. She described the attacker as being around 5'5 with a medium build. The other attacker, the one that Brittany alleged had killed Jaina, was around six feet tall with an average build, and she thought he was white as well. Brittany also told the detectives that the man who attacked her swore at her and called her vulgar and racial names and that the men claimed to know where she lived. Brittany tearfully told the detectives that she really feared for her life and that she needed to let her family know right away that her attacker knew her address, and she actually told them this in front of the detectives. Her family, of course, was very concerned about this, and it was pretty troubling for the police as well. Brittany said she wasn't sure what she was going to do and said she might move back to Washington where she was from, but she was really excited about her potential job opportunity as a personal trainer at a Bethesda gym. Over the next few days, police asked the public for tips and offered a reward for information about the case, and they even had surveillance on one person of interest. The whole town really was on edge, thinking that there were two possible murderers still on the loose. However, the police had been working to understand the evidence from the scene and how any of it really even went along with Brittany's story. There was actually no real evidence to suggest that any of what she was saying was true. 
Investigators had since spoken with employees from the Apple store who alleged that sometime shortly after 10 p.m. on the night of the attack, they heard two women fighting in, in the store at Lululemon, but they did not hear any men. The same employees also said that they heard what sounded like dragging, grunting, thudding, and high-pitched squealing coming from the Lululemon store. At one point, they considered asking security to check it out, but after listening against the wall for nine minutes, they decided that it was none of their business and it was probably just, quote, personal drama. And so the Apple Store employees closed up their store and they left shortly after 11 p.m. One of the employees there said that she could clearly hear a woman's voice saying, quote, talk to me, don't do this, talk to me, what's going on, followed by screaming and yelling. And then someone said, God help me, please help me. And this person said that she didn't know or wasn't sure if the same person had said both of those things. So it definitely seems a little odd after hearing those kinds of things that, you know, nobody would have called the police, especially after hearing, you know, screaming and all this banging and clanging and, and you're hearing somebody say these words that are that would be really scary to hear somebody saying that, you know, and and not knowing what's going on. It does seem weird that they wouldn't have called the police, but Bethesda has a very, very low crime rate. So it's not, it wasn't really their first assumption that there was an actual attack of this, you know, nature going on at the store next door. There was a documentary a few years ago, and I can't remember what it's called. I actually meant to look it up because it reminded me of this, where somebody was being murdered in the street where there's apartments every, I mean, I think the lady was drug out in front of people and no one called the police. And it was like 10 minutes of this. The documentary has um, her brothers in it and he's talking about it. He like stands in the street, screams, other people stand in other rooms just to see if they can hear and just how many people could have heard in that moment but no one decided to do anything. And I understand the reasons that you're saying there that there's really, that would not be your first assumption. And you can almost convince yourself to believe it's anything else going on. You know, so it's just sad that no one said, let's just get the security guard in here. Let's let's figure something out. But people do, you just don't know how you're going to react in, in certain scenarios, I guess. But I don't know. After I saw right, that one yeah. documentary, it kind of, they talked about the psychology behind it a little bit. And it made more sense why some people, their first reaction isn't just a call, which I wish it was, but it, we're all wired a little bit differently. So that's not ne- necessarily everyone's first reaction. Yeah. And it is hard to say what you would do if it was, if you were in the situation, I don't even know what I would do. You know, I, I feel like because of the type of podcast that we have, I feel like I might be a little more suspicious if I heard things like that. But I can see how, you know, probably the average person, they would just assume that it was nothing, nothing that serious, you know, and try to just mind their business, which, yeah, it's very sad in this case, especially. So another puzzling piece of evidence is that even though there were bloody shoe prints all over the store, police couldn't find any indication that there had actually been two different attackers walking around in there. The only shoe prints that they even found at the scene were Britney's shoes and the prints from a size 14 pair of Reebok shoes that were actually found at the scene. So, of course, the police are thinking, well, it would be really strange that a killer would take off their shoes and leave them behind at the crime scene. So the investigators had also located Jaina's car in a parking lot a few blocks away from where she would normally park it. And inside the car, they found Jaina's blood and the blood of what? at the time was an unknown party, which indicated that Jaina's car had been driven after she was killed. Wow. 
So police also located all the weapons that were used to attack Jaina and determined that they all came from a toolbox that was kept inside of the store. In the meantime, Jaina's body had been sent to Dr. Mary Ripple for an autopsy. The results were really terribly heartbreaking and very shocking. Jaina's body had at least 331 different wounds from this attack, with at least 105 of them being defensive wounds. This is pretty graphic, so just a fair warning here. So she suffered severe injuries to her head, face, neck, back, and extremities, and had been stabbed, cut, beaten, and choked in the course of this attack. Her hundreds of wounds were found to have been inflicted by a number of different weapons, including a wrench, a hammer, a box cutter, an X-Acto knife, and a rod that was used to hold up a mannequin. Her skull was crushed and her spinal cord had been severed. One area of her body had suffered repeated strikes, which made it impossible to determine exactly how many times she had been hit in that area. The most gut-wrenching autopsy finding was that Jaina was most likely alive for nearly the entire attack. Her cause of death was found to be a stab wound to the back of the head. Jaina was finally laid to rest on March 18, 2011, and her funeral was held at Forest Park, the Woodlands Funeral Home. The autopsy findings and the information given to police by witnesses led them to become even more suspicious of Brittany and the story that she had given them. On March 16th, Detective Drury asked Brittany to come to the station for another interview, only this time he was more focused on uncovering the lies that she may have told. At this point, she was considered a suspect in the murder. The detective asked Brittany if she'd be willing to get fingerprinted and give them hair samples. She agreed, and while she was waiting for the evidence technicians to come collect the samples, she spoke more with the detective. She told him really the same story she had given before. Near the end of the interview, the detective asked Brittany if he knew what kind of car Jana drove, and Brittany said she didn't know. She was free to leave after she gave her prints and her hair. The following day, on March 17th, Brittany's siblings contacted detectives and told them that Brittany was withholding information because she feared that her attackers would come back and hurt her. One thing she hadn't told the police before, but wanted to tell them now, was that these attackers had allegedly ordered her to move Jaina's car in the middle of this attack. So the next morning, police met with Brittany again, and she showed up to the interview with her brother and sister in tow. Once she was in the interview room, she told police that she really wanted to move back to Seattle, but she also wanted to stay and help with the investigation. And then out of nowhere, she brought up Jaina's car and said that before the attackers raped her, they forced her to move Jaina's car to another parking lot and said that they would be watching her the whole time. So if she tried to flee or get any help, they would kill her. She said she was terrified and just did as these men told her to do. And so by her account... She moved Jaina's car in the middle of the attack and then went back to the store where the men proceeded to continue attacking her after they've already killed Jaina. Police were, of course, very suspicious of this story and thought it didn't really make a ton of sense. And Detective Drury finally really had enough and he confronted Brittany directly and said that he didn't believe her story and it was very far-fetched and he showed her evidence to prove that he knew she had been lying to them. In all the times that Brittany had actually been interviewed by the police, she always seemed very composed and never seemed nervous at all. But as this particular interview on March 18th was continued to go on, she did appear to become somewhat uncomfortable. And at one point, she even asked if she was even free to leave or not. The unknown blood found in Jaina's car was eventually proven to belong to Brittany. 
The detective informed Brittany and her siblings that they believed Brittany had murdered Jaina, and by the end of that day, Brittany was arrested and officially charged with first-degree murder. The police were sure that they had the right person in custody, but they still had to piece together the motive behind such a brutal and prolonged attack, and we're going to get into all the details of what prosecutors uncovered after one last break for a word from this week's sponsors. This week, my phone did an update, and now I can change the font size to 150% like I'm 100 years old and I've never been happier. And that's because the older I get, the worse my vision gets. This past year, I had a new vision test and found out that I had an astigmatism and would need to get new glasses. So I decided to give Warby Parker a spin. With Warby Parker, glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses. Plus, sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses are also available. I took the quick and easy quiz on the Warby Parker website to figure out what glasses I'd like to try. The great thing about Warby Parker is you actually get a free home try-on kit based on the results of your quiz and your input. I received my home try-on kit within a few days and was immediately struck by the great quality. I tried on all five pairs, wore them around the house, checked them out in the mirror, and made my decision. The crazy thing is the pair I landed on were not even the pair I assumed I would pick prior to receiving the kit. I loved being able to get my family's opinions, plus really get a chance to wear them around before making my decision. I chose the Welty style, and they not only look great, but they feel great. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. Try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. Ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com moms. Life comes at you fast, but when you're looking for counseling, minutes can feel like hours and hours can feel like days. You want help quickly, but how will you fit it in your schedule? Our problems rarely arise during normal work hours, so why is counseling mainly available during normal business hours? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or maybe something that's preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp has you covered and at times that are convenient for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. You can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist without ever having to leave the house. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. If you ever find you want to change counselors, you can do so at any time with no additional charge. Financial aid is also available to those who qualify. Best of all, it is truly an affordable option, and Moms and Murder listeners get 10% off your first month. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love within 24 hours. Go to betterhelp.com moms and use discount code moms for 10% off your first month. Again, for 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com moms and use discount code moms. And now back to the episode. So before the break, Brittany Norwood had just been arrested and charged with murdering her co-worker, Jaina Murray, inside the Lululemon yoga store where they both worked. Investigators used blood spatter analysis and DNA to prove that Brittany had not been truthful with her story from the very beginning. Brittany had originally claimed to have been attacked in the bathroom of the store, but the blood spatter analysis proved that that was a lie. Evidence also showed that Brittany had actually tied herself up. When she was taken to the hospital that morning, Brittany had a large gash on her forehead, and it was noted that the blood had run straight down her face, which would not be consistent with somebody that had been lying on the floor for hours. It actually proved that she was standing upright while she was bleeding. 
but police really still had to get to the bottom of exactly what caused Brittany to attack Gina that night. In the course of the investigation and through talking to other employees of the Lululemon store, police got a possible answer. They learned that one of the policies at the store was that everyone had their purse checked at the end of the night as an anti-theft precaution. And as we talked about before, this store sells really high-end, expensive merchandise. So evidently on the night in question, Jaina actually found a pair of yoga pants in Brittany's purse that she didn't have a receipt for. Jaina didn't confront Brittany at that moment, but instead the two closed the store as usual and left for the night around 9.45, which was, you know, according to all the logs from the store's alarm system. When Jaina got to her car that night, she called another employee who had been working at the store earlier that day and asked if she had sold any pants to Brittany. The employee said no, she hadn't, which just confirmed to Jaina that the pants had been stolen. So at this point, Jaina called the store manager and told her about what she had found, and the manager said that they would just deal with it in the morning. At 9.51 p.m. that night, Brittany called a different employee of the store named Isla and asked for Jaina's phone number. She told her that she left her wallet in the store and needed Jaina to let her back in to get it. Brittany then called Jaina, and the two met back at the store. They entered the store at 10.05 p.m., and this is, of course, according to the alarm system. So it was just after 10 p.m. that the Apple store employees next door told police that they had heard all that commotion but decided not to call for help. Police theorized that after Brittany had killed Jaina, she staged a scene to make it look like a struggle and a robbery had occurred, throwing chairs around the store, opening the safe, and taking three bags of money out. She then grabbed the size 14 Reeboks that were kept at the stores for customers to measure the length of pants and dipped them in blood so that she could make those bloody shoe prints all around the store. Once she staged the scene, she cut her own forehead, cut her pants, tied her hands and feet together with zip ties, and waited for someone to arrive at the store the next morning. The prosecution had really two possible theories for why this murder took place. The first was that Brittany lured Jaina back to the store by saying she forgot her wallet, and she tried to talk her into keeping quiet about the stolen pants, and Jaina refused. Or Brittany lured Jaina back into the store and Jaina decided to confront Brittany about the pants, which made Brittany snap. Brittany's trial started on October 26, 2011 in Montgomery County Circuit Court. The prosecution laid out all of the evidence that we discussed in this episode and told the jury that this murder was premeditated and that the attack was, quote, continuous and brutal. They described how Brittany had used numerous weapons in the attack and that the blood evidence showed that Jaina had tried to escape but was unable to. Since Jaina had suffered 330 separate wounds, it is probable that she sustained a wound every three seconds for a total of 16 minutes, most of which she was alive for, as we mentioned before. Prosecutor John McCarthy said, quote, there were dozens of opportunities multiple times that she could have stopped this. He also brought up that Brittany switched weapons several times, which proves the lengths that she was willing to go to murder Jaina. During the trial, the prosecution wasn't allowed to tell the jury about the alleged stolen yoga pants because they couldn't confirm anything that was said on the phone call that Jaina made to the other store employees that night. So anything about that was hearsay and therefore inadmissible in court. What they were allowed to say was that almost immediately after the two women re-entered the store that night, Brittany began this attack on Jaina, first striking her in the back of the head, which led to Jaina trying to flee out the back exit. There was blood smeared on the back door, and other blood evidence suggested that Jaina had been struck continuously while first standing and then crouching and then from being on the floor. 
In somewhat of a surprising twist, Brittany's defense came right out and really readily admitted that Brittany had killed Jana. However, they wanted the jury to find her guilty of second-degree murder and not first. Their argument was that the murder wasn't premeditated, but that Brittany was, quote, not in her right state of mind, end quote, and that she exploded and lost it. And these are all words from the defense. The defense further alleged that the lies that Brittany told investigators only really proved how delusional she was. The defense did not call a single witness on Brittany's behalf. When it was time for the jury to deliberate, they had to choose between first-degree murder, second-degree murder, or not guilty entirely. On November 22, 2011, the jury found Brittany guilty of first-degree murder after less than an hour of deliberating. Upon actually entering the deliberation room, the jurors took a poll amongst themselves to see where everyone stood, and every single one of them voted for first-degree murder right off the bat. They had a discussion about the lesser charge of second-degree murder, but everyone still agreed that first-degree murder was warranted in this case. On January 27, 2012, Brittany was sentenced to life without parole. At her sentencing hearing, she addressed Jana's family and said, quote, I hope for the Murray family, someday you'll be able to find forgiveness in your heart. I am truly sorry, end quote. Up to that point, she had never apologized or really shown any remorse, and the judge, Judge Greenberg, didn't buy any of it. He said that she was a liar and that this case, quote, exemplified the worst of human behavior, end quote. Not only did he admonish Brittany, but he also expressed a deep regret that the Apple Store employees heard this happening and did absolutely nothing. Brittany has attempted to appeal her conviction, but all appeals have been denied. She is currently serving her sentence in Maryland Correctional Institution for Women in Jessup, Maryland. Those who knew Brittany before the murder were horrified by the crime that she committed. Everybody who knew her was astonished by her violence and rage and said that in the time that they knew her, they had never even seen her angry or known her to have a short temper. On May 27, 2011, Johns Hopkins University posthumously awarded Jaina both the master's degrees she had been working on at the time of her murder. The Bethesda Lululemon store was remodeled and reopened in late June following the tragedy. As a way of honoring and remembering Jaina, the store put up a stained glass window with the word love in cursive. The store ended up relocating to a new storefront in 2017, and the stained glass window was given to Jaina's brother. Jaina's family started the Jaina Troxel Murray Foundation, whose goal is to support and promote the interests and passions that enrich Jaina's life by making them available to others in hopes of similarly enriching their lives. The foundation offers scholarships, which go toward programs that Jaina was in, such as the St. Louis University Madrid Study Abroad Program. Oh my gosh. So this is a story that I feel like most people are familiar with having heard that this happened. Like I knew there was a Lululemon murder, but I didn't really know anything about it, to be honest. And I had no idea it was so horrific or what it could possibly have been about, that it could have possibly been somebody stealing pants and not wanting to get in trouble for it. And they did all, I mean, just the most horrific crime. If you're hitting somebody, stabbing somebody every three seconds for 16 minutes, I I can't even begin to understand 30 seconds of that. I can't understand, you know, a minute of that. And here we're at 16 minutes. And she had so many opportunities to stop and and she didn't. And for what? 
Yeah, it, it really is terrible. And that was one thing I had read in one of the sources that the judge, when he was deciding about her sentencing and stuff, he took his gavel and he banged it mm. on his hand 330 times so he could see how long it took. And so that was one thing he said, like, stuck out to him. When he did that, he was like, over that much time to continue attacking this person that it just and that's kind of what he was saying that this is like the you know most like despicable type of human behavior that you could ever possibly see is somebody doing this to another person that's kind of prolonged attack and really even in even though we do you know talk about these different cases and these different murders and and everything and and there usually is some level of violence but this is really uncommon to see like this amount that you don't really often see somebody who's been you know struck this many times with different objects and with them switching weapons multiple times it's just all yeah. around a very it's it's a kind of a fascinating case because it is kind of like like what really what happened, happened? in Britney's head that led to this, you know, that led to her doing this because it's so hard to think about somebody actually doing that. It's just really, really crazy. Not in a laziness way, but in it's hard to even understand having the energy, like how much hate you have to, hate is the only word I can think of with that, how much rage you have to have in yourself to be able to do that for so long too, because that's not, you're not just tapping a pencil on it or, you know, hitting a gavel on a thing. You're putting forth energy and you've just got to be in a full-blown rage and it just doesn't make sense and you don't see this a lot with women as far as these kind of crimes that are so extra violent seem to be like crimes of passion they talk about that a lot and they as in like actual experts but this was had so much violence it's hard to understand how it's a co-worker against a co-worker for maybe a hundred dollar pair of pants it just doesn't make sense Okay, so we are ready to turn the page and go on to last thing before we go. And this week, it's a little bit different. And some of you might be really excited. Some of you might want to just turn this off after you find out what we're talking about this week. If you listen to the show, you know that Melissa is all about reality TV and loves what I, you know, I careful nicely refer to it as trash TV. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it is, but you always, you, readily admit that it's trash TV. It is trash TV. A hundred percent it's trash yeah, TV. So yeah, so it's yeah. like not a big deal to call it that because that's really what it is. No, no, I'm not offended at all. Melissa loves trash TV and always is trying to get me to watch one thing or another or telling me that I'm missing out on something mm -hmm. and sometimes I'll humor her and I'll try it out. Like, what was the one I tried? I tried... 60 Days In, it's so good. I did. Yeah, and I, I liked it, but I didn't like it enough to like keep watching a bunch of, you know, yeah, yeah. I didn't like it that much. So I enjoyed like a few episodes and then I just moved on from that and I said... That was something I watched and that was fine. <laughs> the other thing you convinced me a long time ago to watch was Jailbirds. And I so loved good. that. I thought that was really great and watched all of it and was very entertained. So the big thing right now, a lot of people maybe that listen to our show have either seen it or have at least seen it on Netflix, but Love is Blind. This is a very big thing right now. And the only reason I got sucked into it is because so many people were talking about how great it was. And I wanted to see what I was missing out on. And as it turns out, if I didn't watch this, I would have missed out on a lot. <laughs> I know. And I love that. I would have said for you to watch it, but you would have just brushed me off. But then the masses say it's a great idea and you jump to it. And I just think, well, here I am again, giving you giving you all the great <laughs> ideas I have. No, Love is Blind has taken the world by force. And it's the most entertaining piece of trash you've ever watched. And if you've seen it on Netflix, you might 
look at it and say, mm, I'm not really interested. You are, I promise you. There is nothing like watching other people have train wrecks to make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> That's why I love all these shows in general anyway. But Mandy, this is our like quick little recap. What are your feelings on Love is Blind, Mandy? I have so many thoughts and so many feelings. I have my thoughts and feelings about the the people on the show themselves, yes. but also it is a brilliant concept for this type of reality trashy TV. The whole way the show was set up and the way it was designed. So if you don't know or if you haven't seen it, basically these people, guys, a group of guys and a group of girls, they all kind of date each other through a wall and they don't actually get to meet face to face. And then they have like very short amount of time to decide if they want to propose and marry this person. And at the end of the show, they actually get married. This all happens over the course of like six weeks. So it's already super, super ridiculous to start off with. And it's perfect for reality yeah. trash TV. Like that's exactly what you need. You need these kinds of crazy out there like expectations. Nobody wants a show where somebody dates for two years and gets married that's boring that nobody wants that but like married at first sight <laughs> is the same people that did married at first sight married at first sight you literally get married experts pair you together and you meet at the altar so this is like another version of that but they they get to make the mistakes by pairing themselves off but it's the same idea where they the whole i I don't know about you. Were you just so tired of them saying, oh, is love blind? All the time I was just over, like, I get the concept. You don't have to keep saying is love blind. You're all gorgeous. <laughs> there, nobody's picking a dud in these, except personality-wise. There were a few of those. I could throw a dart and hit a 10 at any moment in that thing. Right. <laughs> they were all really attractive. They really were. They really were all good looking. But yeah, I don't know. It was just very weird. And of course, the show is hosted by Nick Lachey, obviously. Obviously um, Nick Lachey, and- yeah. <laughs> And that's, you know, that's one thing. I totally forgot he even existed. I was excited <gasps> to see him on there. I used to love 98 Degrees and loved Nick Lachey. Newlyweds? Did you love Newlyweds? The show Newlyweds? I didn't actually, because of course I didn't, you know, I didn't watch reality TV. You didn't know me yeah. to tell you to please do <laughs> <Exactly>. it. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. So Melissa, I want to hear your thoughts on who, on the couples, okay? Because there were, what was there, five couples, I think? And yes. they were mm-hmm. all just amazing in their Not own way. <laughs> so Mandy, I wrote down everybody's name so we can both look at them. Several several couples here. And I'm going to go least messy to messiest. Cameron and Lauren, were they not just like a breath of fresh air for the most part? I love them, love them, love them so, so much. And now that the reunion has come on, hopefully if you haven't watched it, then you are not listening to this because you will hear spoilers, spoilers, like mad, crazy spoilers. So don't listen if you don't want to hear spoilers. Cameron and Lauren, I love them so much. I'm so happy that they're still together because I guess the show, like all this was filmed like a year ago. So it's actually been- 2018. Yeah. So it's been quite some time now and Cameron and Lauren are still together and they are just so precious and I really hope that they have a long and happy life together. I love them both. I thought their families were great and everybody just seemed really supportive of them and wanted them to succeed. And I do too. I hope they make it so long. They were my favorites by a long shot because I felt like they were actually the only ones that were remotely normal. Okay. But (laughs) as someone that watches a lot of reality TV, I, I think Cameron is a wonderful person. I think Lauren, I really love Lauren. Cameron, 
likes her too much. Is that okay to say about a husband and wife? Like, I don't need somebody touching me that much. He touches her <laughs> all the time. And like everything she says is so perfect and he just stares at her, which I'm gonna agree with him. Everything she said was perfect. I think she's a perfect specimen. Don't touch me so much. <laughs> I'm such a freak about that. I'm like, oh, not that much. Like, there's no way everything I say is genius. Maybe if I was Lauren, I would feel differently. But I do think they're great people and I'm very glad that it worked out for them. And now they're gonna be the spokespeople for Love is Blind forever, blah, blah, blah. It can work, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. You have to get through one of those to get through some hot messes. So Mandy, where do we want to go on the hot mess train? Who are we going to next? You want to go Kelly and Kenny? They weren't super exciting. They weren't super exciting. And I liked them in the beginning. But yeah, I I think I thought they were matched up really well. And I thought it was really kind of awful and terrible that Kelly basically was like, well, I, I mean, I guess if you're not attracted to someone, you're just not, you know, but that was her whole thing is that she said he was more like a best friend to her. And like, she just wasn't, the attraction wasn't there. And like, she didn't think, you know, she could get there, even though everything else was perfect about him. And I honestly got a little irritated with that because first of all, I didn't think he was like the crazy, like most attractive guy I've ever seen, but he wasn't bad looking. And also if you're going to go on a show called Love is Blind, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't be like super picky about looks. If that's the case, because you don't know what you're going to end up getting, like when you meet this person. And so I feel like if that's really a big deal to you, then maybe this is not the experiment for you. And then I felt really bad for him because I know like he seemed really into her and she did seem like she had a great time with him. But I just thought it was like a little sad for me when she was like, "Nah, I just like don't think you look good enough for me. Like I thought that was kind I know. of awful. It was so low on the first season of Married at First Sight. The girl, Jamie, meets her husband at the altar, Doug. They're still married now. But she literally is looking at people and she's like talks forever of how she's not attracted to him. I mean, like almost repulsed by him. And so I was like, Kelly and Kenny, give it some time. I've seen it work out for people before. But have you seen anything worse in your entire life than him basically begging her to play footsies? <laughs> oh, my God. That's like your worst nightmare. <laughs> but it was also like so, he was so desperate for her to like even just be around him. He wanted to play footsies. Yeah, totally my worst nightmare. <laughs> I would have dumped him right then and there. It was just too much. I was like, oh, okay, you're not that great anymore. Never mind. So, Mandy, who do we go to next? Do we go to Gia Nina and Damien? I never figured out how to say her name. Yeah, yeah, Gia Nina. I think it's actually a pretty name. It's a beautiful name, a beautiful but every name. time it's, I struggled. Okay, so yeah, so the rest of the couples are all, they have all got some some major, major issues. So yeah, Gia, Nina, and Damien, they were a terrible match for each other from the get-go, if you ask me. I felt like her personality was way too extra for what he needs in a person, She wanted to be on a telenovela. That was all she was going for, (laughs) like her own personal one. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, yeah, she was really good at at doing that for sure. Yeah. And she, I went through periods where I'm like, oh, she seems like okay and like fun, you know. And then sometimes I was like, she is such a diva. Like I would just not even be able to handle being around her for very long at all. And, but she was the most fun to watch because I felt like she had, you know, it's very entertaining watching her kind of like with her ups and downs and everything. And, but yeah, she, she, largely got on my last nerve, I would say. (laughs) Very much so. And I thought he was fine. He was like, 
I don't know. There was a character on Conan O'Brien's show years ago with a man that kind of looked like a rat, and he reminded me of him for some reason. But he, he seemed okay. like a nice person. I don't know if he even. I don't think he really seemed that nice. Honestly, there was a couple of moments where I thought he seemed like I could kind of see some like red flags of him being like a little bit controlling or like condescending yeah. sometimes, and like not that like I disagreed with anything he would say to her, but like just the way that he would approach things and like tell you know I don't know. I just like just like the times when he would be like you're overreacting like I don't know I, I really don't like it when people oh, that's tell other people how they somebody. feel you know or mm-hmm. like uh, or that they need to calm down like okay mm-hmm. nobody wants to be told to calm down so but he would do that to her a lot you know and like I didn't like that I just was like okay I agree but some I think sometimes she just overwhelmed me so much that I was like oh gosh I, I like I couldn't even really dislike him so much because I was so engrossed with okay explain this to me the wedding at the end she walks off spoiler alert she takes her okay first of all she slams the chair down perfect telenovela and then she takes her dress peels off a piece of it no one asked her to do this hands it to him and says something like here's your bow what is she talking about do you know what I'm talking about? She like peels a piece of her I dress. I saw that. Like, yeah, when she ripped it off, and 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 she did say that, but I didn't, I didn't understand. It made that. no sense. It didn't make any sense. We need a background on that. I did enjoy watching her run, and one of my favorite reality TV moments is anytime they have a camera guy running because you know it's just like old school cops watching <laughs> watching that show. Yeah, well, when going she after somebody <laughs> and just sliding into the mud, oh, perfect. Like you cannot script that kind of TV. I love it so much. Okay, but did you notice like after she fell in the mud and then when she went back to the place, like I didn't see any mud on her dress. It was weird. It was like it was not there anymore. Oh, listen, editing in reality TV, it's total lies. Like you have to go into these shows thinking 10% of what I'm seeing is truthful. (laughs) The rest of it is just shady editing and I love it so much. I love whenever you see um, somebody say, somebody we'll get into later, talking about not being in love with somebody and they flash to them literally just saying that they were in love with them. There's Editors should be paid more than just about anyone in the world, minus nurses and teachers. But everybody else, reality TV editors, they deserve the most money. (laughs) They make my life so exciting. So Mandy, where are we going next? Jessica and Mark or Amber and Burnett? Let's do Jessica and Mark because I have lots of thoughts about that. (laughs) Hey, B. Hey, B. How are you doing? I was doing that voice and my son was like, Mom, are you okay? (laughs) Maybe. Go ahead, Mandy. I don't have a lot to say. I mean, I have a lot to say, but none of it's coherent. Go ahead. What do you think of Jessica and Mark? I think Jessica is a scary person. <laughs> she, I'm sure she's nice in normal life and she probably got a bad edit, but she's terrifying. Okay. Bad editing. Oh my gosh. I don't Her, want people to come like, after us. Let's say some stuff could be bad editing. I mean, maybe. Okay. People can come after us if they want, but like I was, it was so cringy watching Jessica get drunk like every single night and just be like really, really ridiculous on TV. And like, I just like, I was like embarrassed for her. Like I had embarrassment on her behalf, like just sitting, I was uncomfortable even watching her be on the show. Again, this is the best reality TV when you are fully (laughs) like your entire body is coiled up because you just can't believe this is happening. So 
if you kind of watched it, kind of didn't, Jessica made a connection with Mark and also with <laughs> B, who is also known as Barnett. And depending on who she talked, she changed her voice a little bit to be like sexy gerbil is what we referred to it in the <laughs> little reality group we had uh, going on. For no real reason, she would do that. And my favorite part was when Mark said to her, I knew from the moment I heard your voice. I was like, what? The moment I heard her voice? <laughs> I was like, please get the nails off the chalkboard. So anyway, there was like a love triangle thing going on between Jessica and Barnett, who has a real name. I think it's Mike or Mark or Barney Barnett. I don't know. And Amber. Amber and Jessica are in love with Barnett. Again, keep in mind, they are behind a wall and they have been sitting there for mm, three days. They've all dated each other. They've all talked to each other and they're all in love with each other. It's just the most incestuous thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. And they are just, Barnett says to her one day something like, tell me if I'm saying this right. Basically, like, I could see you as my wife. Well, she takes that and she runs. And they all have said this to each other. So it's just the dumbest thing you've ever gotten excited about. And do you remember the part where he said, and this is my favorite line, if there was nobody left on earth and it was only me and you, I would marry <laughs> you right now. <laughs> That's literally the same thing people have said for centuries. If you were the last person on earth, I wouldn't marry you. But actually, he would. He was finally desperate enough. He's the one person who's like, I totally will. And she was like, okay, B. And just in love, they're getting married. Well, then Barnett, not really interested in her. Interested in somebody else we're going to get to who was maybe my favorite character on the entire show besides Jessica. But yeah, Jessica was, it was a love triangle. And then she ends up with this guy, Mark, who, Mandy, how old is Mark? Uh, Mark is 24. And how old is Jessica? Jessica is 34. And the reason I know that is because she tells you at least a million times over the course of this season. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. That's what I was going to say. Whenever she's 30, how old will he be? Like she could, she wasn't really attracted to Mark, I don't think. And so everywhere she went, she would like talk to her friends. She's like, I know. And when I'm 40, he's going to be 30. And they were like, that's okay. Think of Nick Jonas or whatever Jonas brother. You thought that was hot. She's like, I did. And then she would be like obsessed with it again. She would like basically, she was like basically talking about her shriveling eggs while feeding her dog wine, which was a big (laughs) thing on the show. And she swears that she didn't actually give him wine, but she literally says in the clip, because I rewound it, she says, she really loves wine. <laughs> so <laughs> this was not a first time offense. Mandy, please help me out of this Jessica and Mark hole. I've just been going off. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were definitely a hot, hot mess because Jessica was so up and down the entire time. And she was really, I mean, it was just infuriating. And like, she was so concerned with things that weren't really her business to be concerned about. Like she was way more concerned with, I guess it was like the age thing, but I re- like I don't think that was really it. I do think she wasn't attracted to him and she just didn't like him like that, which is fine. It's okay. Like, so you went on this stupid show and you like didn't end up marrying someone six weeks later. Like, I feel like it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> is that a loss? Is it really a loss? I mean, seriously. So I thought it was crazy. I, I was really annoyed with her at the wedding day when she 
like they were doing the vow thing and after he said his thing and then she's even like standing up there and it's like i love you i love you blah blah and then like 20 seconds later she's like no actually we're not getting married but like she totally made him think that she was gonna say yes right up until the last second and like that just made me so mad i know (laughs) she did it like that i do think they made them go through like at that point go through with the wedding and then they could say what they wanted to at the altar but she like made it worse by I love you I love you and he's watching her walk down the aisle and he's like that's my wife I'd be like hang on buddy (laughs) not yet I definitely wouldn't go into anything like that poor guy like every day he'd have to like deal with her being like I'm really not that I don't know what I want and like you're 24 and then you know he's like does something really wonderful and makes her like him again and then she goes into the she goes to sleep again I guess sobers up and wakes up and is like never mind don't want to do this again My favorite part of the show is whenever they like couldn't connect anymore, any of them, and they would sit in the pods, how they sat in the pods and they wanted to recreate the pods and would like (laughs) eat dinner in separate rooms. I'm like, that means you hate each other. (laughs) That is not romantic at all. Like, I don't want to see your face while I eat steak. I just don't want to. I don't get it. I'm so annoyed with myself for doing that voice. Hopefully it's landing okay because it's very annoying to do. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so the last couple, Amber and Barnett. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Amber is a character. She is. She's amazing. Possibly one of the most obnoxious people I think I've ever seen. So in person, would I want to be friends with her? Absolutely not. Would I want to see her and be friends with her on Facebook? A thousand times. (laughs) She is drama, the most drama, and I am here for it. But I don't want to be close to you. No, no, no. But I do want to watch your life unravel while I'm eating like chips and dip, (laughs) you know, under my covers (laughs) and eating dinner in the same room as my husband. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She is very like, oh, my gosh, they were just so gag me with the way that they were with each other. And I don't know. I hope that things work out for them. I do think they're good together because I think they're both really like goofy and like kind of obnoxious. And so that maybe will work for them and they can go on. I mean, they are still together as well. Another spoiler there. But I mean, oh, and she has blonde hair. She had brown hair on the show. And I actually think she looks great as a blonde. She looks great. Yeah. So I thought when I saw her with blonde hair, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, you actually look like that is more your natural, like that, that it feels like that looks like her natural color to me. So anyway, other than that, though, I think she looks great and she's a very attractive person, but she, ooh, I don't know. I, I, she, I couldn't, I couldn't even. And she was another one who would like drink on the show. Not as bad as Jessica did, but there was that one night when she was like crying to the camera. She was so drunk and she was crying about her. how she was marrying her best friend and she was so happy and things were just excellent in her life and it was really hilarious like she was just stumbling all over the place and just like crying and I love it I I love it I've had UTIs longer than they've had relationships yeah you know it just was (laughs) I just did not get all the excitement over like we're just so good together forever we're gonna be together forever I'm like you guys might want to like I don't know, poop in the same house. Somebody needs to take a BM and see how you guys handle that situation if you're sharing a bathroom. Then talk to me about how much you love each other. Right. I don't want to hear about it before that. <laughs> no, but yeah, overall, though, it was just infuriating watching these people claim to be in love with each yes. other after literally knowing each other for 
a total, you know, after speaking to someone for a total of like maybe an hour over the course of a few days. And then they're just like, yeah, I want to let's get married. And we're so in love. And it's like we've known each other forever. I'm like, no, it isn't like. But you haven't. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, no, 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 no. I don't know. I was talking to my husband about this, though, because I he kind of like started watching. He didn't watch with me from the very beginning, but then he was you know, unfortunate. It, this is to what be happens with reality shows. My yeah. husband knows just about everybody on all the shows, but he doesn't watch any of them with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how it kind of that ended up. I was telling him, like, even with Cameron and Lauren, or like I said, with Kelly and Kenny, and and you know, they ended up those two ended up not getting married. They decided to part ways. But like, I was thinking, you know, I feel like if this was me, and like if I really did go on this show and found a connection with somebody, and I really did want to kind of like see where it went, like. I feel like I would just tell them, like, listen, we're not going to get married at the end of this show, but, like, I still want to see you, so don't be upset. That's what apparently happened with Kelly and Kenny. Oh, really? So you think they talked about it? or did- Yeah, they talked about it because she – I saw something like that because she basically said she thought she was going to keep seeing him after, and he was like, mm, you kind of broke my heart. I'm not doing this. Oh, wow. But, yeah, I think that was kind of – they've had some conversations. Some of them have had some conversations, and some of them said – Gia and Damien basically said – I won't know till I get up there, which is crazy to me. I feel like you'd know before that, but whatever. I'm not in my 20s, so what do I know? Yeah, well, that just seems weird. But then in their case, because now they are still together and trying to, like, make a relationship work. But, like, I feel like in that case, because that was kind of, like, awful. I thought whenever Giannina said yes, and then I wasn't expecting Damien to say no because he seemed like he was so into her. And so I was really shocked by that one when he was like, nope, not getting married. But I feel like like in their case, I if I was him, like I feel like I I, I did feel bad for her in that moment because it seemed like she didn't know that he was going to say no. And that was shocking. But Mandy, she lost her butterflies (laughs) and she doesn't know how to find them. I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe you have gas. Maybe you should take x or something. I don't know what's going on. Your whole life isn't butterflies. My gosh, these people. But the interesting thing, I have to compare this to Married at First Sight because it's the same people that make it. It's the same idea. On Married at First Sight, they might not say I love you to them for like six weeks and they live with them, everything. They get married right away, but they're not, they don't say I love you. So when these people at the end of the first episode, whenever Cameron and Lauren were saying they loved each other, you're like, what is going on? Like, is there a gas leak in these pods? What is happening (laughs) that they're all clinging to each other, you know, so, so hard. It was, it was amazing. It was truly a journey, a journey I want to take again. I cannot wait for a second season of this train wreck. Me too. I'm super excited. And yes, this is, this is reality TV that I can get behind and that I really thoroughly enjoyed and couldn't wait every night to turn it on and watch a couple more episodes. I watched it all very quickly over like the course of like three days, maybe three nights in bed and I had it all knocked out. But I loved it, Melissa. And I'm so so happy that I could say I watched a whole entire show that you watched. And we have that now to bond over for the rest of our lives. (laughs) for sure. And speaking of reality TV, we are going to be playing a promo from our friend Shannon, who has the podcast My Reality with Shannon. And she's literally recapping like much more organized uh, Love is Blind. So if you love Love is Blind or if you want like a better (laughs) version of what we just did, a more organized one, check her show out. We'll play her promo at the end. All right, guys, we will not see you next week because we are off, but we will see you the week after that. Same time, same place, new story. Have a great week. Bye. 
Hey y'all, it's Shannon from Lessons from Lifetime podcast coming at you with something new again. Yes, I'm rebranding again. Don't judge me. My new podcast is called My Reality with Shannon because let's face it, my reality is nothing but reality TV shows and true crime shows all day long and I'm going to be covering them all from Bachelor and all Bachelor related shows to 90 Day Fiance to Love is Blind on Netflix and any true crime stories that pop up in my area. I'm going to cover them with a guest host each week and hopefully we can have Chloe back to join me. You can find My Reality with Shannon wherever you find your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. I'll be there. And please follow me on social media on Instagram at MyRealityPod and on Twitter at PodMyReality. I hope to see you there. Y'all stay safe. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.